Today, I, uh, I think we've kind of got the theme going pretty good here because I felt the same way Lynn just talked about, kind of not necessarily lighthearted, but just, just one of those times where it's just like, let's just, let's just talk. I'm going to preach from a passage that I have never preached from. I've read many, many times, and, and as I read it today, you'll say you've read it many times or at least heard of it, but I've never preached from this passage. So we're going to be turning to Ecclesiastes in just a moment. But I want to talk about the anomalies of life, where life just seems to have an ability to change on us. Some of us, by nature, really get messed up when our plans don't work out the way we thought they would. How many is with me? I mean, we kind of, a whole day gets upset if it doesn't go exactly the way we planned. And we've scheduled it, and we've put, taken time off work, and yet it doesn't go the way we thought. Or we're going to meet somebody, and we just know it's going to go one way, but it goes the other way. Or we're doing something that we've done seemingly forever, and yet all of a sudden it takes on a different life of its own. How many is with me? These anomalies that we're like, well, there's some things I want to remain in my life. There's other things I'd like to get rid of. So if I kind of learn how not to do certain things, maybe I'll never face it again, and yet you face it three times in one day. These anomalies of life. You see, an anomaly is a deviation from that which is common rule. It's those strange things. It's those odd things. It's those abnormal things that uh, seemingly drive us crazy. This passage that we're going to read is from Ecclesiastes, and most of your Bibles will take that word, Ecclesiastes, and give it a definition in the English, and its meaning. Well, we extrapolate from that that the word Ecclesiastes means the preacher. I would like to change your thinking on that just a little bit, because I'm afraid when we hear the word preacher, we get this certain image in our head. I would rather you see this writer as a lecturer or a philosopher or even better than that, a debater. Because when you read the words that's written here and you understand it from that perspective, it makes a whole lot more sense. Because you see, when we hear the word preacher, especially from Old Testament, we think of a prophet who has heard from God and is now sharing revelation But that's not what this is. This is more from an individual that most of us can relate to that's just looking for the meaning of life. How many is with me? You know, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for a minute. And as a preacher, if somebody's just meeting me and they find I'm a preacher, you know, you can almost see some people take a step back. Oh, you're one of those. Or I don't know how to act around you. Or you, you're just different. And that's okay. I accept a lot of that. That's just people's perspective. And that's why I'm trying to help us today to understand what's written here. Because if you get preacher in your head and a philosopher, then it's like, well, I, I relate more to a philosopher. And a lot of us, if we're going to get real honest, but we can relate to a debater a lot better. How many of you just likes to argue? Come on, get honest. How many are opinionated? Raise your hand. 
How many like to share your opinion? A woman came to the great Dale Moody one day, and she said, you're preaching on talents. And she said, uh, uh, but you also talked about someone that uh, is kind of independent and speaks their mind. And she said, I, I just, that's just who I am. I believe that's my gift, just to speak my mind. And the great Dale Moody said to her, ma'am, I believe that's one talent that God will allow you to bury. We can understand the philosopher, the debater, trying to make sense of something and, and make, uh, to understand life. Because you see, Ecclesiastes is found in the, what's called the wisdom literature. It's written a different way. And again, it's seeking. It is Solomon, we believe, that's written this. And if it is, in fact, we know that Solomon, in his younger days, wrote the Song of Solomon. And in his middle-aged years, he wrote the Proverbs. But it's in his latter years, as he's reflecting and regretting, he's writing Ecclesiastes. Starts to make more sense now, doesn't it? I'm reminded of something I heard a long time ago, and I know I've shared it over the years some at one time or another. But uh, this is, you know, it probably didn't happen this way, but maybe it did. When God was creating all things, he created, uh, of course, all the trees and the flowers and all the animals and then created man. Well, the story goes on that as God had created all things, he had man and he had all these animals kind of lined up. And now they're finding out how long they're going to live and their purpose. And man is sitting there listening as God looks at the cow. He says, I, I want you to live 80 years. And the cow said, well, how, what am I supposed to do in those 80 years? He said, you're going to always be outside in the elements and work hard and provide for others. That's all I get? He said, yeah, that's what you'll do. He said, you know, 80 years is a long time to do that. Just how about 40 years? God said, okay. So then he looked at the uh, monkey the monkey said, how long do I get? He said, you get 20 years. He said, oh, yeah, what am I going to do? He said, just going to act silly and goofy and just flip around on things all the time. Is that all I'm ever going to do? Yeah, he said, that's a long time just to be goofy. He said, why don't you just give me 10 years? He said, okay. And finally, he created the dog. The dog said, how long do I got? He said, 20 years. He said, what am I going to do? He said, just, you know, you're just going to growl and bark and, and just live at the hand of somebody else. 20 years, huh, to do that? He said, how about 10 years? He said, okay. Well, he got the man, and man said, how long do I get? He said, you get 20 years. 20? What am I going to do? He said, you're just going to enjoy life. Just enjoy life and enjoy everything God's provided. The man thought for a minute. He said, that's kind of a short time just to enjoy life. What about the 40 years of the cow and the, that he didn't want and the 10 years of the monkey he didn't want and the 10 years of the dog he didn't want. He said, okay, God, you can have that. He said, now that means that you're going to live probably 70 or 80 years upon the earth. He said, that sounds good, which now helps us to understand for the first 20 years of our life, we just enjoy life. But the next 40 years, we just work hard and provide for everybody else. <laughs> we're not finished yet. That's for the next 10 years after that, we're grandparents and we just play and act silly all the time. And the last 10 years, we just sit on the front porch and bark at everybody. <laughs> Lynn, this is your fault. You got me, you set the tone for preaching today. 
Let's turn to Ecclesiastes. Those of you streaming, please enjoy this as well. And let's stand as we read God's word together. I want to begin at verse 2 of chapter 1. Oh, you recognize this word very well. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher or the debater. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around the north and around and around goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And it does have a message for us. Let us, let us gain that wisdom that you're sharing with us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All is vanity. That's his words. The excessive pride of self, of things I get involved in, and it's all on me. It's what I do. Vanity. We don't like that word vanity because we hear the word vain. And yet, we find ourselves thinking, why? Why have I worked all these years? Is this all I get? Why have I befriended this person? Is this all I get in return? I thought by now I'd be ready for retirement and have all these things, and I've got money, but my health is broken. Vanity, vanity, always vanity. I thought by now I would have been wiser. I thought I'd make better decisions. Uh, all is vanity. You know, I thought I could change the world by now, but the world just keeps doing what it's always been doing. The wind still blows and the oceans fill up, but they don't overfill the streams. They flow, all these things. What's the purpose behind all this? Is there a God is really where we're kind of going in this? And does he care about us? Does he really know us? Does he know the number of hairs upon our head? Does he get involved in the affairs of man? These are some of our questions now as we read something like this. But again, remember, this isn't written by a preacher. This isn't written by a prophet who has heard from God. Who, because if it had been that way, all of us today would say, then let's just pack up and go home because the preaching of his word means nothing. We're not going to gain anything by studying his word. We're not going to gain anything by praying. It's just, it's just all words. It's just vanity. What will be, will be. Kassara, kassara. You know, it's just going to be. It's nothing changing. And yet when you read this entire ecclesiastical meandering thoughts, you realize he really was coming to some conclusions. And the first one, it sounds so simple, and yet it needs to be heard again, that we accept what God gives and we enjoy it. You see, again, you understand why the word vanity would come in. If we don't include God 
in our thoughts of what he might be wanting in us, and we're just doing what we want, we may always come to an end that we're not happy with. But when we start learning that there is a God and he's a giving God, we know in the New Testament, Jesus is teaching us, he said, if earthly fathers know how to good, good, give good gifts, how much better gifts will the heavenly father give? But again, that's our Christian perspective. We're still back to this guy who's trying to make sense of all of it. And he's coming back, if I would just accept what God offers and enjoy it. Many of us have learned to do that. Others, we get a gift and we don't know what to do with it. We don't feel worthy of it. Or we feel like we can better it. Instead of just taking it for what it is. This is basically what the debater or lecturer was saying. He said, you know, this is what I've done in life. Human wisdom and philosophy, I've learned, is limited and many times useless. When it comes to pleasure and wealth, I've gained that and I've lost that and I realized that most of the wealth that I've got and the enjoyment is nothing but pointless and empty. That's why it's vanity. The accomplishments, the hard work I've put in many times is uncertain and vain. How many times have we worked on something and think by now it'll be completed and then we realize some of the parts we were using were faulty and it's not working at all? How many has been there? This will really speak to you when you start diving in a little bit more. You see, man's duty is not to search out the things that God reserves for himself. What it is all about is to enjoy what give, he, he gives. Look what the ecclesiastical writer also wrote. Ecclesiastes 2, verses 24 and 26. He said, enjoy life. What is better than eating and drinking and enjoying life when you realize it all comes from the hand of God? Wow. This is why a lot of us were raised in a Christian tradition that when we sit down to a meal, we pray first. Why? To give thanks. Of course, it's been said that the first place that that really happened was on the mission field, and somebody was about to eat something, they had no idea what it was, and they prayed over it first. <laughs> I've been there, done that one a couple times. But the reality is, it's a time of giving thanks. I realize, God, I may have worked all week long, I may have gone to the grocery store, I may have prepared that, but at the end of the day, I realize it came from you. And I want to give you thanks. You see, to eat and to drink and to... How many knows you can enjoy life? A lot of times in religion, we forget to do that. The simple pleasures that every day brings because we get caught up in some other type of vanity. But do you realize all these things God has given to us himself? He actually went on to say this. He said, for those who have gained great wealth, he said, well, you know what I've learned? They gather and they collect only to wind up giving it to somebody else. They're striving after the wind. Trying to capture the wind. And at the end of the day, the wind is still blowing and all we're doing is flapping our arms. It's vanity to think that I can capture the wind and control it and tell it what I want us to do. But if I'll simply understand God and realize everything I have is a gift from God, all good gifts 
Come from where? From the Father of lights, given down to us. But again, this guy doesn't know that. He's just trying to find the meaning of life. I'm seeking for wisdom in all this because at this age, I've got all the t-shirts. Been there and done that multiple times. And the things that I taught myself would work hasn't always worked so well. The second thing he brings out is make the most of life's varied circumstances. Again, uh, I'm reminded of another great philosopher that many of you would remember. His name's Forrest Gump. (laughs) Forrest said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I would like to go to the book of Randy. The book of Randy is a great book. It's a must read. And life is more like a puzzle. You see, when it comes to, there's actually a name for people that get puzzles and and enjoy it for their leisure time. Dissectologists. Look it up. Because it came as a result of maps being dissected and they were dissecting the maps. Dissectologists are these that work jigsaw puzzles. And if you've ever worked a jigsaw puzzle, you'll come up with your own formula. You can Google it. You can Google anything, right? And you find out certain methods that other dissectologists have used. And typically what we find out is we'll take all the pieces and we'll make sure that they're face up first, right? And then from there, you'll start sectioning and sorting out. And these are the ones with flat edges. That's going to be my border of this. And then we start putting colors together. And then we think we're really so good because we did a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we buy our first 1,000-piece, and they get smaller. And then somewhere along the way, somebody says, oh, you're a dissectologist. You're really going to enjoy this. So they buy you a 5,000-piece puzzle, and it's all in black and white. This will preach, folks. (laughs) Such is life. Life's like working in puzzles. Just when I think I've got it all figured out, something else happened. There's another anomaly. Amen. That's the best amen I got in three weeks. Again, making the most of these varied circumstances. How many knows what it is to take three steps forward only to take two steps backward? And let me be a pastor for a minute because many of us get to that place where, and especially in our relationship with God, that I've got God figured out. I know what he's going to do next. Or we've been keeping up Santa's list for him and we know who's been naughty and nice and I've been nicer longer than any other time in my life. I've gone two whole days now. And so God owes me. Or if I do this, this, and this because the minister of music didn't do that, 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 I earned this, this, and this. How many is with me? Oh, come on. You know who you are. And then there's another anomaly. I got all the border pieces. I sorted it out. I just knew that all these colors were going to go to this part of my life. And then I find out there was some random coloring over here. I didn't expect that. And then when I'm just getting so good at the colors that God's given me in my life, everything goes black and white. 
I'll preach from the book of Randy again. The Bible says, it'll rain upon the just and the unjust. In the Brooks commentary, the Randy commentary, it simply says, when it rains, we all get wet. (laughs) Haven't you ever thought you deserve something better than somebody else because you've been living closer to God than somebody else? Let's even get more honest than that. God, I'm serving you. I am a believer. And so and so, there is no way in this world that they know you at all. And yet, I just knew that you would bless me coming in and going out. And that you would curse them. And yet, you know what? They got a raise. And I didn't. And we have a hard time figuring it out. Again, we're coming back to the reality of making the most of the varied circumstances. Because what does the Word of God teach us? Paul learned it. I've learned this. And if we know any scriptures beyond John 3.16 and Jesus wept, we know this. Good comes out of all things to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. To come to that place say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it this time, but your word says good is going to come out of this. I don't know how good can come out of sickness at this level, but your word is your word, and I'm going to stand according to your word. And I'm not going to put you on a stopwatch or a calendar or some kind of clock. I'm just going to take you for who you are and your character and trust you, God. You promise good comes out of all things. I don't know how my loss of employment can have anything good come out of it, but you're still God on the throne, and I'm going to trust you. I don't know how good's going to come out of this severed relationship, but you promise good comes out of all things. I looked up the word all, and I found it in the English translation. And you know what it said? All was its definition. Again, searching for the meaning of existence in life. We can't help but be who we are. We all struggle with ADD. We all have an attention deficit when it comes to the things that God has already spoken to our lives. We forget them in a moment of haste. We find ourselves once again chasing down the urgent and forgetting the important. Because in the moment, it was screaming at me. At the moment, it came to me in a different person, and they mean a lot to me. I I just forgot all those things you promised because in the moment, I was mad. How many has ever been mad? Good comes out of all things. It comes back to the last thing this writer is saying. And it sounds like it doesn't belong in a Christian message, and yet it does. But again, it's coming from a philosopher when he's simply saying, have a positive attitude about life. I wonder how many people that's here today likes being around somebody that's always down in the mouth and grumbling and complaining and gossiping about everything. Or would you rather be around someone that's pleasant and kind and quiet at times. Oh, that got a few chuckles. <laughs> to be positive about life 
he came back with this. And it's just a simple, simple reality. It's all about choices. It's all about choices. And if you'll read all the way through, basically it comes at choose wisdom over folly every time. Choose light over darkness every time. Choose righteousness over wickedness. Even as alluring as wickedness might be and as enticing as it may be and everybody else is doing it, choose righteousness over wickedness. And choose life over death. To have this positive attitude about life, 1 Corinthians 2 and 7 says, God has the secret hidden wisdom of God that's been stored up for ages. He has that a way to speak to us. Again, if we're looking for his handiwork. Do you think that this lecturer, this this debater ever kind of had a religious thought? He actually did. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, as he's closing out these thoughts. Verse 13, he said, this is, this is the whole duty of man is to fear God and obey his commandments. After all these other things, the vanity of vanities, always but vanity, and takes the time to go through all these things. I've gone through human philosophy, and I've wound up pointless at times. I have chased after wealth. I've enjoyed wealth, but at the end of the day, when I put all my focus on it, it withered away. And I've learned this. If I will but fear God, then I can enjoy life I can take these things as he gives them. It's it's my duty that God has given to me. It's the final duty. It's the final meaning is to fear God and obey his commandments. So let me close with this. We still have the anomalies. We have the varied circumstances. We do everything we know to do that's right. And then we just, what does the Bible say? We stand. When you've done everything else you know to do to stand and you can't think of anything else to do, you know what you do? You just stand. I've done everything his words instructed him to do, so I'm just going to stand on it and trust it that it will work again because it can't fail. His word will not return void. It will not return empty. It must accomplish that which it's been sent out to do. If I will but obey his commandments. Again, we're human. And we get sidetracked. The ADD kicks in. We find ourselves pulled to something else. Aren't you so glad God's a God of grace? Have you ever gone back to God and got really honest with him? God, I was stupid again. I got sidetracked again. Some of you need to put both hands up, by the way. Life, life is so strange at times. Things we can't figure out. Why are children sick? Why do we ever hear of a child having cancer? What, what brought that on? How could, how could there be a God in that midst? How can this very fine person die and this other miserable, nasty, hateful, do I need to go on any further person? Just seems to live forever. 
Why can I work so hard and come up with just a minuscule amount for my effort? And somebody else, they dream something, they wake up and they, they put it on Facebook and it goes viral and they become millionaires. The anomalies. And yet, written from a person who says, now that I've had all this time to think and watch and observe and I've been involved, this is what I've learned. To fear God. Fear him when he doesn't make sense. Obey him when it seemingly can't work. And just trust him. Enjoy what he gives. Would you stand with me today?